That's a tough question as an early entrepreneur. Um, I would say at this point in my life, uh, you know, I've I've learned to enjoy the day and be grateful for what I've had, what I have, right? Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that I I am at peace with the idea that I've been successful. I've changed, you know, thousands of people's lives uh, for the better, and you know. If, if I died today, I would die happy knowing that I, I did great things. Hi, and welcome to the Sliced Podcast, where we share startup stories from founders, investors, and CEOs from across the globe. A little bit about our platform, Startup Blog Post, is that we're a community where aspiring entrepreneurs and venture capital ecosystem stakeholders can share meaningful insights, engage with colleagues and peers, and stay informed. Hi, and welcome back to the Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens. Today's guest is Matt Prados, founder and CEO of ReviewWave. ReviewWave helps healthcare practitioners gain and retain patients with 24-7 online booking and personalized post-appointment messages. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm so excited to hear a little bit more about your journey. So let's just get started. So where are you originally from? Uh, I was born in uh, Camp Pendleton, California. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Great. And so did you attend school in California as well? Uh, no, I ended up uh, growing up in upstate New York, actually. Oh, okay. So after school, what did you get your degree in? I dropped out of college after six weeks. Awesome. That's very cool. Just realized it wasn't for you. Yep. I uh, was sleeping in math class and the instructor woke me up and he said, you know, Matt, you don't have to be here if you don't want to. And the light bulb went off and I stood like, up great. and That's- I walked out and I never came back. I love a non-traditional career trajectory. That's great. And so what did you have a plan or what did you do after that? No, I was young. No plan. I just, uh, you know, decided I didn't want to be in New York anymore. Packed my bags, drove cross country, ended up in uh, Orange County, California, and started my career in sales and marketing and worked in lots of different companies and whatnot until I founded my own company and the rest is history. Wow. So when was your first realization? So yeah, let's talk about that first company. So what was the idea behind that first one? And you know, how did that come to be? Sure. So um, my both my parents were chiropractors. Uh, I worked in their chiropractic office growing up. And so I knew a lot about the chiropractic industry. So I ended up working in various chiropractic offices out here. Uh, I was working in one um, about 16 years ago, and you know, realized that there was no company out there providing a great internet marketing experience for chiropractors to acquire new patients with. So my first company I started about 13 years ago um, was a digital marketing agency for chiropractors. So we built websites, uh, did SEO, AdWords, Facebook ads, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of good stuff. And it's actually that company that, uh, you know, made me realize, you know, the need for reviews. So about six months into that company, uh, or not six months, six years, excuse me, uh, I was doing an analysis of, you know, who was getting the best results. 
And the guys, uh, you know, I spent, you know, a couple of months just digging in, trying to, you know, figure out what, what it was. And at the end of the day, the only difference was the guys that were getting the best results, most of the patients had more reviews and not by a little, by a, by a lot. And so then we started coaching them on how to get reviews. And then we started giving them handouts to tell their patients how to, uh, you know, leave a review and none of that stuff really worked. And so we actually built the first version of Review Wave. Uh, to solve that problem for those clients just as a little, you know, kind of side project. And it worked so well. Uh, I realized that this was the, this was the thing that more people needed, uh, you know, than, you know, just another website. Uh, and, you know, come six years ago, there's now there's lots of internet marketing companies out there. Lots of guys can do, you know, good websites, run ads, et cetera. And so I was already kind of looking for the, the next thing that wasn't here yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what review became. And so I, turned over all my duties in that company to my team and they run that company today still. Uh, but we went from zero to, uh, you know, full speed ahead with review wave six years ago and, um, best move we've ever made. Wow. That's really neat. I think it's interesting. We can talk about review wave here too, but, um, I just think reviews in general are really, you mentioned that the people that had the most reviews is that that was beneficial for others looking. And I think that's so true. Even in like, I mean, really the only experience I have would be like the restaurant space. Right. But if you see that a restaurant has a ton of great reviews, you're so much more inclined to go there. Mm-hmm. So it really does move the needle for people. hundred percent. So that's really, so yeah, tell us exactly what, what review wave does. Cause it's not just reviews. It's it's not just reviews. It's probably the worst name company ever because we named it Review Wave simply looking at, you know, we were going to do reviews. Um, and that's all we did in the beginning and, and really for the first uh, probably 18 months. Uh, but what happened is, you know, we because our software uh, goes on top of or, or integrates with existing electronic health record softwares that, you know, doctors, chiropractors, dentists, et cetera, already use. And that's where, you know, we're able to automate a lot of the functionality from. And so, um, you know, the doctor would be paying us for reviews. He'd be paying a different company to do his appointment reminders. He'd be paying another company for, you know, something else. And so people started asking us to, you know, kind of consolidate all of the features. And so, we, you know, we would add, you know, one at a time. And so after reviews, we added in texting. But I don't ever like to just, you know, look at something and go, oh, I can do that too. I want to figure out, you know, what's, what's broken about it and how can we advance it. And so we were actually the first company uh, in chiropractic to empower the business to have texting from their office number. And that gave the patient a a much better experience because it wasn't just some random short code or some random local number that they couldn't call back. It was the actual office number. So it just made the experience Uh better. It made sense. Um, Personal. Way more personal. And so, you know, from there, um, you know, we would also read the, negative feedback that offices would get, uh, because, you know, as we started to get hundreds and then even we passed the, you know, the thousand client mark early on, you know, we, there were patients that weren't necessarily happy with some of the interactions. And so we'd read those and a lot of those had to do with scheduling. And so that's when we built, uh, online scheduling for chiropractors that fully integrated with their electronic health records. So the, the data would not just um, be when they're available, but we would actually write the new appointment, the new patient back into their electronic health records and, and remove the data entry that the staff would have to do. Uh, and so that was, you know, light years of uh, forward progress for the industry mm-hmm. to say the least. 
uh, from there, we actually looked at it and said, okay, well, that's for new patients. But a lot of times, you know, you go to the same doctor, you know, more than once. You know, if you go to the dentist, you go twice a year. If you go to the optometrist, you should go at least once a year. And so we built a mobile app for patients so that they can see their upcoming appointments, uh, schedule, uh, reschedule them as needed. Or if they don't have any appointments, they can schedule, you know, right inside the mobile app itself so they don't have to go to the doctor's website. And then as we, as we grew over the last uh, two years more so into different verticals, because we concentrated mostly on chiropractic in the beginning, but now we have uh, thousands of locations in other industries as well. Um, so patients actually can toggle inside of that, the scheduling app, we call it, uh, they can toggle back and forth between different providers. So, you know, if they have the audiologist that uses us, they can schedule their audiology appointments on, on the app, you know, chiropractor that uses us, they schedule those appointments. If they have the a dentist, they schedule those appointments. So it's one app to kind of rule all of your healthcare appointments, if you will. I love that. I couldn't even begin to tell you how many like dentist appointments that have just flown right by me. You know, dentists are, are actually the worst at scheduling, uh, uh, and and they schedule so far out, and then they won't yeah. even schedule beyond that. They'll just tell you, "Oh, we don't have anything available." Call back, which is you know crazy yeah. as well. Or so, they say like, "Come in August" or something. You're like, "What? That's how do I know what I'm doing then? That's so, <laughs> that's so far from now. It could be I could be anywhere." Exactly. That's crazy. Would you ever consider opening this up to like a totally different industry? Like I don't. I don't even know what that would be like an oil change or like automotive, or do you really see yourself in this like healthcare ish space? Uh, we're, we're really in the healthcare space now. So when we, you know, when, when you start a business, you kind of, you know, typically throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And it's not that we'll turn away, uh, you know, other people that, you know, ask for help. If, if we feel like we can help them, we'll, we'll let them use our software. There's different ways that they can use mm-hmm. it. And in the beginning we had everything from, you know, pawn shops to funeral homes, um, oh. And so it was a, a vast array of different types of people. But as we get, you know, more and more automation, uh, more and more tools, they, they really cater to that, uh, you know, SMB family practice kind of medical space, uh, you know, where, you know, it's, you know, typically, you know, just that, you know, one to, you know, four doctors in a location, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple staff, uh, you know, seeing patients, you know, at least, uh, you know, once a year, if not more. And uh, that that's really where the sweet spot is, because because of my understanding of how those offices work, we built in a lot of automation that does things that the staff would normally have to do, but a lot of times forget to do or not do at the right time or, you know, not do as often as they should do. And so, you know, we're able to really drive the productivity of these offices up using our software. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm curious what your experience was like fundraising. I mean, for this company, but also for the the ones prior, do you have any memorable wins or rejections or kind of what was that process like for you right out of the gate? Uh, so for my first company, I didn't fundraise at all. I've never taken a dime on 100% of that company. Wow. Uh, then for Review Wave, uh, I bootstrapped it in the beginning and I had one, I never tried to fundraise, but I had an interesting conversation with the uh, then CEO of one of the electronic health workers companies who basically just, you know, went from me pitching him that we needed to integrate with his software and he needed to let us to him, you know, turning it into like a, a shark tank conversation. He's asking me all these different metrics and he's like, you know, I want to invest in your company. 
And uh, so I, I did end up doing a very small angel round uh, about five years ago. Um, but I mean, it was, I didn't go looking for the money. It just kind of, you know, fell there and we never actually have spent the money. We've kept it there. Uh, okay. It was a great little, uh, it was a great little thing to note. So it was mm -hmm. easier to recruit a few people in the beginning, knowing they, because they knew we had, you know, a little bit of a war tank, a uh, war chest there. Right. Uh, but I've, I've never believed in, in like a burn rate. So um, we've, we've been, I didn't take a paycheck the first year until we were profitable. And, uh, you know, we've been extremely profitable ever since. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I do have another uh, SaaS company that I just launched, a uh, little secret project, not going to go into oh, any, any main names or details. Of, a teaser. <laughs> a little teaser. <laughs> uh, and, and we did. So it, it's, it's going to take six months to get to a revenue stage. So, uh, you know, in order to pay the developers, et cetera, we did have to do around uh so we did a you know a friends and family round and uh, we raised a little bit over a million dollars in seven days wow and um that was that that's really neat so definitely some more things in the pipeline if you weren't an entrepreneur currently and working on these projects what do you think you'd be doing uh i don't I have no idea. Running a surf school in Hawaii or something, maybe living on the beach. Um, okay. That I, uh, bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't know if I hadn't gone through this journey, what I would do. I mean, in the, in the coming years, I will launch my own small fund and I'll bring on, you know, SaaS companies that I like They're the founder. I like their, uh, you know, the problem that they're solving. Um, you know, really once, once you, have gone through the bumps and bruises of building a SaaS company. You know, I mean, we went from zero to, you know, there's over 5,000 offices across the country that use our technology today. Um, you know, we, we have, you know, passed, uh, you know, many, many millions in ARR, et cetera. And, you know, we've gone through different CRM switches, different phone systems, different, all the problems that you have in scaling and, you know, getting support and solving churn and, you know, how do you hire enough people? You know, we just crossed over 70 staff uh, in our company um, this month. And so, you know, it, it, it's really a recipe at this point. So I can go into, you know, I can go into any company and, and consult them on how to go from, you know, wherever they are, you know, struggling to, you know, a, a very thriving, you know, low churn, high sales model. Yeah. Speaking of those bumps and bruises within the journey, is there a particular, can you think back to an obstacle that you had to overcome and then ultimately how you did that? So, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have to overcome many, many, many obstacles. I mean, growing from a, um, an idea into an actual product that you start to get adoption on. And then, you know, as you start to get adoption, you know, the companies that, you know, you're, taking business away from because you're a, either a direct competitor or simply they're spending money with you instead of with them, you know, are going to start to try to want to do what you're doing so they can get those clients back. Um, you know, you've got, you know, going from, you know, being, you know, sub 10 staff to, you know, over 50 staff, there's a gazillion HR rules and regulations that you have to learn about. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's the, the, the hurdles, are never ending. We're we're definitely over governed <laughs> in uh, as, as businesses, um, but you know, it the the biggest thing is, 
you, you got to keep looking for answers to problems and learning from people that have come ahead of you because you just don't know mm-hmm. what you're going to run into. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, constantly reading, you know, books, listening to, you know, podcasts, um, you know, getting into masterminds, uh, you know, with people that have done what you're trying to do is, is probably the single biggest um, reason that I've been successful. I mean, you know, 12 years ago, I, you know, I did, you know, I have a family, so I would, you know, I would work during the day, I would go home, do dinner, play with kids, get everybody to bed. And then from, you know, 11 PM till, you know, two, three in the morning, every night, you know, studying, you know, sales, studying marketing, you know, studying business, you know, reading, you know, every single book I can find that I think is going to one day do it. I mean, I, I, you know, although college wasn't for me, I've invested, you know, over $400,000 in my education in the last 10 years easily. Wow. Um, 150 of that in the last 12 months. Um, You know, so it's not, you know, it's not like you make it and you stop investing. You got to invest more because, you know, the, the bigger you get, the the harder it is to keep growing at a certain rate. I mean, when you're only doing $10,000 a month in MRR, it's really easy to double. Uh, but, you know, when you're doing hundreds of thousands or, you know, millions of dollars in MRR, then it gets a lot harder to double. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, we hear a similar sentiment from a lot of founders is I think like, you know, just the aspect of being adaptable, I think is kind of what you're describing, right? Even though your your life ebbs and flows, whether you have a family at one point and, or you don't, or, you know, just trying to balance it is there's a lot of adaptability there and being able to think and learn constantly, you know, it's um, not for everybody. Speaking of, how would you say your view of being an entrepreneur has changed from when you first started to now? Uh, well, first started 13 years ago, I was really more of a solopreneur. You know, we built a little team, you know, we had a half a dozen guys and then, uh, you know, there was, you know, different office politics and stuff. And then, then I figured out how to scale that down to just be me and a uh, personal assistant basically for, for many years uh, at the same production level. And, and that was just a very nice, comfortable life. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a great legacy to leave behind. So when I decided I, I needed to really work on my legacy, that's when I got uncomfortable again. And that's when I really grew from, you know, being a solopreneur. I mean, I was making great money, you know, life was easy, you know, I'm working, you know, 20 ish hours a week, just kind of, you know, enjoying life. But, you know, when I decided to become a real entrepreneur, you know, I was back to the, you know, traveling like crazy, showing up at tra- every trade show I could get to, uh, you know, I traveled more in, in the first two years of review wave than I think I did in my entire life. Uh, prior to that, always on the road, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing deals. Uh, you just have to be ready, you know, to embrace the uncomfortableness, you know, right. uh, of all of the actions that you're going to have to take from, you know, learning how to speak in front of audiences to, I mean, the, you know, uh, I think the, the largest event I spoke at had, you know, 2,500 people in it. Uh, which is, you know, a massive amount of people to, you know, be in front of all of a sudden when you're yes, used to, you know, a couple hundred. Um, but, you know, it's just learning along the way. I mean, I did, you know, the, the problems I solved today with the knowledge I have today, I, I didn't have that knowledge a year ago or two years ago. So always be learning, you know, I mean, you hear in sales, always be closing. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think uh, always be learning because uh, you're going to make mistakes. You know, uh, you know, one of the, the best quotes, uh, you know, if if you're not embarrassed by your product, 
when you go to market, you waited too long. I forget <laughs> who said it or who read it in the book, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's it's one of those big business books um, out there. One of yeah. the popular ones, I can't remember which one, but you know, it, it, to some degree, that's true. A lot of people will just spend too much time trying to get to perfection. Um, you know, we got out there. You know, you'll make mistakes and you'll lose some clients, but uh, you gotta you gotta get the bumps and bruises to understand. You know how to get adoption on your product to scale and the only way you're going to do that is by getting people to use it you beat it up and tell you how you you know what you did wrong and what you need to improve on and being able to take that corrective criticism as you if you will you know Mm -hmm. right and and you're acting ceo currently correct as well i am yeah so i'd be curious to get your thoughts on you know what it takes to be an effective leader Um, you know, I, I think that the, the best example of, of a leader, um, you know, in my life and in all the different things is Michael Jordan. And if you watch his uh, documentary, uh, the last dance, you know, he mm-hmm. talks about, uh, you know, he would, you know, get out there and he would never ask any of his teammates to do what he hasn't done. Um, so, you know, being willing to do everything. I mean, I've been, I've been the janitor, I've, I've been the sales rep, I've been, you know, everything except for, you know, the guy writing the code, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no, nothing is beneath you, uh, you know, willing to do it all uh, and being able to do it and then pass it to somebody who will do it as well or better than you did. Uh, I think with a lot of corporate America today, leadership typically wants their people to not be better than they are. Uh, because they're intimidated or scared that they'll get replaced by that person. For me, it's it's the exact opposite. I want to be replaced. I want you to do better than I did so that I can move on to the next thing. That's great. I think that's really great. If you could go back and redo anything in your journey up to now, what do you think it would be? Um... I don't know that there's anything I would change because the bottom line, I mean, you can, everything's 2020 when you're looking in the movie mirror, right? but uh, you have to make the mistakes that you make to understand the opportunities in front of you it is the best way to put it. I think, I mean, when I opened up, uh, you know, my digital agency, there really was no, you know, dominant website company out there that was crushing it. And, you know, I mean, we, we built it to, you know, a million dollar year business very, very rapidly in the first 12 months and whatnot. And we, we certainly could have built it into a huge, huge company. And I watched other companies do it. And I think part of the, my own personal growth was watching these other companies do this while I kind of coasted. And then having had that experience, when I started this company, I said to myself, this is the opportunity that I'm not going to watch people pass me by on. I'm not going to coast on this one. And so I've, you know, I've been very go, go, go. And, uh, you know, I've been blessed that the right people show up at the right times. Mm -hmm. Um, we've, we've also had some people leave at the right times, uh, you know, which is equally important that the door is, uh, is open and and people come and go as, Mm -hmm. as they need to. Um, but without, without the failures and the pain, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't have the keen sense to make the right decisions today. So I, I wouldn't actually change anything on the journey. I think that's awesome. I think that's true of life outside of entrepreneurship as well. <laughs> you know, um, speaking of life outside of entrepreneurship, what aspirations do you have for yourself outside of the business? 
Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a family man. I have a beautiful wife and two boys and, uh, we have three dogs and, you know, we enjoy each other's company. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to make the world a better place. Uh, you know, I want to leave it better than I found it. So, you know, we we're definitely looking into more, you know, philanthropic things to do and, you mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to train my boys to, you know, be able to, you know, continue that kind of passion for life and, and do great things in the world. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, with review wave here, we've got over 10 million patients affected by our software currently. Uh, you know, I think that'll be, uh, over a hundred million patients, uh, that have had interactions with our software in the next 36 months. Um, you know, we want to change healthcare, the, the quality of healthcare, especially in the, the pandemic, uh, has gone down quite a bit. Uh, doctors, you know, wanting to do telemedicine and not see you in person and, may sound unpopular, but I mean, you just can't get a good diagnosis if you're looking at a TV screen. I, I, you know, I don't care who you are, uh, you know, and, and, you know, doctors, you know, they go to years and years of school to learn their trade, but, you know, they don't always have the best bedside banner and, and our software helps, you know, patients give them a voice to, you know, in a non-confrontational way, give feedback. And, you know, you know, you kept saying, you know, take the feedback. You know, everybody in the world needs to learn from their mistakes, you know, not just entrepreneurs, not just, uh, you know, employees, but, you know, doctors and, you know, their staff as well and whatnot. So, you know, I believe that, you know, what we're doing now is not just some, you know, review hustle or, you know, gig to get guys more reviews and make more money, but, you know, change the entirety of healthcare. Yeah, because nobody's perfect. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. When will you know that you've, lived a successful life and had a successful career ultimately? Uh, so that's a tough question as an early entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. I would say at this point in my life, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to enjoy the day and be grateful for what I've had, what I have. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would say that I, I am at peace with the idea that I've been successful. I've changed, you know, thousands of people's lives uh, for the better. And, you know, if, if I died today, I would die happy knowing that I, I did great things. But uh, I'm in no way, shape or form giving up. And at this point, you know, just trying to figure out how to pour the gas on the fire and, and move that from thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions uh, of people that I know that, you know, our works, uh, did great things for. Yeah. Um, as an early entrepreneur yourself, is there a piece of advice that you would share with somebody who's maybe just getting started in their journey? Uh, stop being scared and do the work. That's great advice. (laughs) That's great advice. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. And then is there, if there were, if you could describe your journey thus far using just one word, what would it be? It's a roller coaster. I mean, you, you have to be prepared for the ups and the downs. Uh, my favorite definition of entrepreneurship is jumping off a cliff and building the airplane on the way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that uh, you you have to be ready to embrace life in that manner. Um, you know, in, in jujitsu, you know, they talk about, you have to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. 
And, you know, when they say that, you, you look at these guys that are, you know, top level, you know, jujitsu practitioners. And I mean, they're literally getting choked to the point where they pass out, right? Like, so you have to get comfortable to the point where you even sometimes pass out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that uncomfortable, but you have to learn to be comfortable. And, and, you know, when you get to that as an entrepreneur, you get guys, you know, where you can just see that they, they'll throw caution in the wind, they'll risk it all. I mean, you look at Elon Musk and I mean, how many times has he bet everything, right. bet the entire farm and, and now he's, you know, one of, or the number one wealthiest guy in the world. Right. He's doing and so, just fine. <laughs> he, yeah. He's doing just fine. Right. But you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been on the floor on my knees with no money in the bank praying that night that, you know, somehow I'll find the money to, to feed my family the next day. You know, if you're not ready for that, then, you know, you, you might not want to be an entrepreneur. I appreciate that honesty. I feel like that is something that people definitely need to hear. It's um, not as glamorized a journey as some may seem. So appreciate yeah, it's that. Not a, it's not the Instagram life of private planes and Lamborghinis anywhere near the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there any, before you go, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to share either about yourself or about Review Wave or no more teasers uh, about that project, huh? Yeah, I can't drop anything more about that project. Uh, you know, 90 to 120 days out and we'll launch that one. Okay. Uh, you know, I, uh, and I, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll talk about, you know, more towards the end of the year is, is the difference between bootstrapping a, a company uh, and, and fundraising and, and the different speeds of growth. Cause you know, now in the beginning, I didn't understand raising money. Now I can understand it, but only can I understand it now because I did, I already bootstrapped a company. And so now I know what it's like to make it without having that money. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, I would say don't raise any money until you absolutely have to. It's a different game. And, um, not the one that I recommend for most people until you've gone through all the things that uh, you need to go through to be responsible for that kind of money. Cause million dollars or $10 million, whatever you raise, it's a lot of money and a lot of responsibility. So yeah. do it on your own blood, sweat and tears, but do it. Awesome. I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> Thanks Matt. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Sliced Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Sliced, please email newsroom at startupblogpost.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.